Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another day for a great interview, and I've been actually looking really forward to that interview. The reason is simple. My guest, like me, has gone through a period of darkness, and we men are so renowned for keeping our mouth shut. We men are real men, boys don't cry, all that bullshit and that is so counterproductive this toxic masculinity has been riding me and prevented me from seeking help and i bet you once we start digging with my uh with my guest today uh, we will find similar themes are playing out just an educated guess so today let's talk mental health and let's talk um <laughs> with a man out of a profession where indeed you don't really uh the the mr nice guy and the mr fluffy uh i would like to have a day off for self-love and for looking after myself mental health day doesn't go so well in corporate uh usa and or canada in this case so aaron solly we have got a lot to talk about and i'm so grateful that you're here on my show Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, really, really looking forward to, to chatting with you today. That's cool. Now, I am, I have today a bona fide banker with me. So, <laughs> so oh you, you, yeah, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> now, for some of us, bankers are the best things since sliced bread. I mean, I certainly have had a beautiful, beautiful relationship with, with um, banking consultants or, or, or representatives of banks. Um, so if everything goes smooth, you're the hero, um, the unsung hero. <laughs> Often enough, things don't go smooth and you're the bastard. Um, so it's not necessarily a very, a very beautiful environment in there but this is my prejudice i mean uh, we need to talk about that but before you even went into banking who did you want to become when you were a little boy what who was who was the real aaron who did you, know, you when want i to was be? little i yeah um i was very creative i loved performing i loved uh you know doing lip syncing concerts and dancing and and uh, uh and just being a performer and and then the other thing i did and I just started doing it. I don't know what what um, you know kind of inspired me to do it, but I really I, I was I looked up to the teachers in my elementary school, and so at night I you know it always took me a little bit longer to fall asleep at night. So I did this this um, this little game that I did where I would actually put my head under my pillow, and I'd pretend that I was I was one of those teachers that I looked up to, and the, the grade six and seven teachers, and I would imagine that I was teaching math or social studies. Oh. And and I just loved it. I just so so teaching was ingrained in me as well as this creative side and and performing and and that as well. It was uh, yeah, it's definitely you know things that I just loved to do as a kid. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. But what happened? What happened? You, you're, did your parents support that, or did they say, "Yeah, well, how pretty now? Go behind your books because you need a job. You need to go to uh, to high school, to university. Without that, you will be a nothing." Um, was that a bit the the your story of your childhood? You know, somewhat, but my, my parents were really supportive. They didn't. Um, they actually were very uh, very open because myself and my cousins and my siblings, we would. We'd put together these little these little concerts, these little productions and, and little movies that we film, and they would just all sit around and watch. And so they were very supportive of our of our creative energy and our uh, the you know the little uh, plays that we put on and yeah. the, and the yeah, yeah. syncing concerts. But you know when I was four, I'm sorry, when I was in grade four, like uh, my, my uh, I was struggled with with um, with school, and I, you know that was a point where I just I wasn't I wasn't progressing as I was supposed to be. I was meeting a lot more after school with the teacher. And, um, and, and just, my mom had to, you know, kind of work with me a lot more around my schooling. And, and when I, and in that year, you know, looking back, my, my grandfather passed away. So I was around 10 years old. And so that changed, uh, that changed everything for me because for me, he really was, he was the first father figure in my life because when I was, when I was mm -hmm. born very soon after I was born, um, my mom had to make a good decision because she wasn't in a, a safe place uh, she had she left my my birth father and uh and so we lived with my, my grandparents uh you know yeah. since i was a baby 
And so my, my, my father figure for the first two, three years of my life was my grandfather. And he was amazing. He was in the radio business. So he, uh, he loved recording, uh, you know, our voices on those old cassette tapes and just playing them back. And, uh, and then he'd play some of the old superhero radio shows like the green Hornet and, uh, and really got me into, you know, you know, just enjoying my voice. Right. And, 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 learning a little bit of aspects as a, from a kid's perspective uh, about the radio business. And I'd love hearing him because he did, he did a lot of the news. He was the manager there and he, he would do a lot of the news broadcasts. So to be able to put the radio on and hear him on the radio was really fun. And, and then I have really fond memories of, uh, you know, he would watch Dukes of Hazard and Knight Rider with David Hasselhoff with me. <laughs> right. And, uh... Uh, it was just, just, really fond memories of him i just always very curious always very fun always looking for really neat things to do together so it was really it was, it was a it was a tough uh time for me when he passed uh yeah so oh, beautiful but to be so creative and to be allowed to be so creative is is beautiful how may i say then why did you not continue what changed so that you ended up in corporate Canada? Yeah, you know, I think a part of me really did change when he passed because uh, there's an aspect where I, because I had such a closeness to him and my my other siblings and, and cousins didn't have that relationship to him. I, mm. I felt like I was in some ways mourning more and I mm. was, you know, crying myself to sleep a lot at night. Uh, <sighs> The, the kids, it was, it was decided, and, 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 you know, at the time, it probably, it made sense, is the kids were, were not, um, did not go to the funeral. So we stayed, we stayed at home and, and didn't go to the funeral. So there, you know, there's an aspect there where I didn't really get to say goodbye in some ways. And, uh, and he passed away during Christmas time, like just after a few days after Christmas. And, and Christmas is my birthday. Uh, uh, Christmas Day is my birthday. So, uh, so that time of year, you know, lots of celebration, lots of family time, and and the the Christmases after that, it there was it was still fun and it was still enjoyable with family, but there was those moments where we, uh, for a few years, we couldn't we couldn't talk about Grandpa's passing because it would upset Grandma, right? It would be upsetting to talk about, and so I didn't feel like I had a voice in some ways around being able to mourn his passing, mm -hmm. and so I think. You know, and I've done I've done a counseling diploma, and I've learned a lot more about uh, you know the impact of that. Mm. And, and I think a part of a part of me changed as far as what I believed uh, you know can happen with relationships, right? Mm. And um, and and that you know don't get too close is kind of I think a message that I I kind of started to believe after that. If you get too close, something bad is going to happen. Mm. And and so I kind of progressed to you know decisions I made after. After that, we're a bit more on the safe side, like, you know, really just trying to play it safe and mm. avoid getting too close to anything in some ways. Because if I did, you know, mm. that loss could show up again. And when you look at that trait that is so typical of so many children who are going through a trauma in their early life that let that be uh, at uh, children of alcoholic families, let that be uh, a child who was experiencing sexual abuse once or repeated times, and then no one believes them. They, these are all become silent children that shut up and become hypervigilant around what is going on. And they need to work so much harder in later life to develop trust because there's this core belief there. No, either I'm not good in it. There might be a self, self-hate component. He died because of me or weird shit that we are, as children sometimes come up with um, or simply I don't know, you know, it maybe it is better to not get too attached to someone. And one way or the other, it is these are core beliefs that are so difficult to shift later on. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, wow. Okay, so how was school? You were saying at one stage you were not so great. Um, what happened thereafter? Uh, when, after your, your granddad passed away, did you, you know, throw I, yourself at school? You know, I was I was in grade four, so that 
there was still that struggle in grade five. I actually had to, um, my mom sat down with me and essentially taught me how to study because I was, uh, I, I was not studying for the tests and the quizzes. Mm. And, uh, and so I did not like it, but every day after school, I, uh, I had to read the social studies book with her for half an hour. I think it was, mm. and it just, you know, it was a battle for me, but it's interesting because those little steps about mm. doing that every day, when the, yeah. when the quiz came, I, I think I got one wrong on the quiz. Yeah. It was just static. I was like, Oh, this is, this is amazing. And I was done so quickly. And the teacher wasn't used to me, you know, finishing so fast. And they said, Oh, Aaron, you better look at your work again. And, um, and so I did, but I, I knew that I had the answers right this time. And it just, it felt, it felt really good. So the rest of elementary school, I was, I, I felt really empowered. I was still, that creativity was still coming out in different ways. Like, you know, yeah. doing like a paper mache volcano as a project and making it, uh, you know, erupt with vinegar and baking soda and, and, and uh, food coloring and that. Uh, but the, the progression to high school, uh. it, you know, somehow, you know, and I think part of it's just going through puberty and becoming more aware of, uh, you know, un, you know, being uncomfortable and, and, you know, being in front of people and, and not and making mistakes. But I, high school, I found a lot tougher because I became this a lot more introverted, a lot more quiet and shy. Uh, and I, I didn't feel, it didn't feel as safe. And I think that that's part of an aspect of it is that I went from the safe school in elementary school. And then I'm in this new place where there's, there's kids from in, in our town. A lot of kids from other elementary schools all came to the same, um, uh, high school that went from eight to 12 or sorry, eight to 10. And then, and then there was another senior high school that went to 11 to 12. So we're all coming together in grade eight from different places, meeting new people. And it was, uh, you know, there's fun aspects of it for sure. But I also, I struggled with connecting with, um, with uh, a lot of friends and I kind of just got stuck to a, 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 a main friend, friend group. I, I think it was more that trust factor. I just wanted to keep, keep things safe a bit. Yeah. And, and then there was the, the lessons around starting to look at, okay, as I was going through high school, having something secure, something safe, something, you know, going to university um, to get the, get mm. the good job. My, my dad was an accountant and there was some hints along the way about, oh, okay. you know, consider becoming an accountant. And, uh, uh, and so, and I, I didn't have any interest in it. Uh, I, I just, um, I, I thought accounting was like, my dad was an auditor and an auditing, is one aspect of accounting. And I thought that's all what accounting was. I didn't realize there's all these different aspects and there's, there's even forensic accounting that is almost like, uh, you know, the CIA version of accounting that I didn't know existed. Right. Uh, and so I thought auditing was what accounting was. So when I got into university, I was like, this is not, I, I, you know, I, this is not for me. And the, and the accounting instructors were not very, they were really good at accounting, but they weren't really good at creating relationships and, and teaching. Right. And so it just turned me off. Uh, but I did have this, I did have this passion for business. And so I did take uh, business and I took HR. And so that, that education training piece came out in me in the uh, HR yeah. resource component. Um, and so that I was able to bring that uh, as well as, you know, there was this desire, okay, can I, can I start a business? Can I, you know, can I be part uh, of a, a, an enterprise and, and help people in some capacity? Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. it is for me, it's intriguing um, that you went down into that that road of business banking, etc. So, as a going into the banking world, do you study? What do you study to become a banker? Is that uh, I don't know actually. Yeah, you know it. I, uh, I I didn't take the advice of one of my HR professors. He he said. In um, the beginning of fourth year, he said, you know, start networking, start talking to companies and seeing if there's opportunities to do, uh, you know, to work uh, as an intern or work in HR. Uh, I didn't do that. I thought, oh, I'm going to wait till I'm done and right. uh, and just find work. Right. And so after I was done university, I just started applying to all these HR positions. Uh, I had no relationship, no connection to these uh, companies at all. And I found I got no interviews right in the HR world. Absolutely. And so then I started interviewing in the in the community I was in. I lived in a, a community called Kamloops in um, in British Columbia, Canada, and I just started sending resumes out. And the one industry that was hiring a lot was the banking industry. A lot of industry uh, in, university students they'd hire to be a customer service representative, so you could come in be a teller. Mm. Uh, you know now it's um, the, the, the the phrase teller isn't you know, the term teller isn't really used anymore, but customer mm. service officer. And so they would train you. They would, um, 
you know, they would essentially get you trained to be in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's just various courses you can take once mm -hmm. you're in the bank to, uh, to progress in your mm -hmm. career. And I would, mm -hmm. I would, I moved up, you know, fairly, fairly quickly in the bank. Uh, you know, I was very driven and, and wanting to learn. I had this mm -hmm. passion to learn. Uh, and so I, I did that. I did that. Uh, and at the same time, I started to realize I was passionate about helping people, right? I really mm. had this passion to teach and help. And I was taking this education approach in the banking world mm. where what I started to find as I, as I progressed and I was in the industry longer is they didn't want you to spend too much time with the clients. Like I wanted to spend lots of time and get to know them and, and, and do this. They wanted, they wanted business, right? They wanted more opportunities. And so this pressure started to mount around Aaron, you're, you know, you're spending a lot of time and these clients loved me, right? They, 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 you know, we built really good relationships. I got to know their families. I got to know, you know, their, mm. their aspirations, what, the, you know, why they were getting a mortgage, uh, you know, why they were starting a business. Mm. I love talking to the business owners, especially, yeah. but this pressure started to mount and this is where the anxiety and, and the depression started to show up even mm. more for me because I started to, to feel that there was this pressure to perform and mm. to meet these expectations that didn't that, didn't feel in alignment with who I was right? mm. and so there then I started to struggle with um and get shut down basically get stuck is I'm being asked to be this other person and mm. I, I I can do it and I'm, I'm, I'm I actually did it but inside it was it was um detrimental to my mental health really mm. yeah and that's such a common story, isn't it? We are trying yeah. to be someone, we are often enough, I mean, especially women, they often tell me they were people pleasers. Um, they were there for everyone else, but certainly not for themselves. And it, sometimes it took them decades to realize that, that they were essentially broken, burned out, and, and, and uh, uh, sometimes so deeply in a black hole that they considered taking their lives and it's well, just it it is brutal but you don't is, see yeah. it when you're in it did you have an awareness of yeah. it or did, did you just silently suffer well you know what was interesting what you just said there is i actually another aspect of who i had become or who i felt i was 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 the people pleaser and i uh, was giving up a lot of aspects of myself and as a man i was starting to question if I was the right type of man, because I wasn't like the typical guys that I hung out with that were more masculine, you know, that were more into, um, you know, hunting and, and partying and all this stuff. Mm. You know, I had more of that feminine energy. So I actually related more mm. to women mm. and, 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 and was like, is there something wrong with me? Right. Why am I this kind of, you know, too nice of a, of a guy, but I'm supposed to be macho. I'm supposed to be, you know, this, um, uh, you know, this be more of a jerk in some ways, right? And I'm like, that's not me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like that. And so I can relate to the women that that feel like a, a being a people pleaser, people pleaser, because that's that's who I was. I was, yeah. uh, you know, sacrificing a part of me to help the clients out, to help my employers out, to help, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. yeah. And so. Um, uh, you're right people pleasing that is not just something for women uh, although the the trade seems to come out far more they're trying to to be everything for everyone uh, yet i was trying to do exactly the same thing and we are putting this this we are, we are accepting the societal kaleidoscope view of how you are supposed to be as a man you're supposed to be a manly man and but you also be uh supposed to be innerly open and 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 really being there and then you have to be a good dad you have to be a good lover you have to be a good good husband a good provider there's so many roles and you have to fulfill all and every single one of them and God forbid uh, that you maybe get it wrong somewhere, then the whips are coming out, at least in my case, in, you know, whap, 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 how dare I? You know, you have just worked 16 hours in your job. You're a failure because you didn't spend time with your kids. You're not a good dad. Yeah, hang on. I, I just worked 16 hours. You know, that doesn't count. You're a shit dad. You're a shit husband. You didn't spend time with your wife. So this was the kind of, skewed living i did did was there the same competition on and in roles or did you have similar similar perceptions definitely yeah yeah definitely the um i i because i went into i went into the industry to help people and right. i actually left the industry after three years of 
for university, I left and, and just wanted to try some other things. And then, yeah. and then I got back into it because I had this passion to help people yeah. with their money. Cause I was actually working at the time um, before I got back, yeah. back into the industry, I was working for a software company and everybody was going out for lunch every day. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people were, they were buying Starbucks maybe once or twice a day. And I was just seeing that, that, you know, how are they, how are they setting up their financial future properly? Right. They're, they're spending so much. Uh, they put if they put those that little bit that they're spending every day away they could set themselves up they may not even have to work um at a you know in you know 20 years down the road so i had this passion to help people but yet when i got back into the industry uh you know i got to do that and then and then i i, I progressed up and i moved into these different roles and i i found again that pressure was even more right and and there was a lot of game playing happening a lot of um uh, you know, there's a lot of people that were hitting these um, unbelievable targets that I had, uh, I, I wasn't going to play it uh, unethically, right? I felt that I was going to do it, what, what felt right. And so this environment became more of the sales kind of um, eat what you kill type of environment. Mm. And, and it, and I stayed in it because it was, you know, it was the secure job. It was the safe place to be, mm. yet it was just, um, you know, mm. killing me inside. Because mm. I didn't feel like I could be myself mm. uh, at all. Yeah, it was a huge struggle. It always, I always ask myself that question. I've never actually asked it to someone who is working in in the banking industry. Um, do you guys get encouraged to put your money where your mouth is? So, as a banker or as a, as a as an employee of a bank, there are certain products that you are supposed to sell, which make money for the banks. Um, uh, is there actually some proper education around, hey, you know, if you want to become someone, um, then why don't you invest this way, that way, that way? Is there is there an encouragement for you to think? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's that there. And you have yeah. access to all the services as an employee. So definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting because I'm not so... I mean, those, those few people who work in the banking industry, they have, they have their house. We still have a mortgage. They have no real estate investments. I'm not sure about their their share portfolios. It doesn't strike me that these people are necessarily necessarily the people that I want to listen to when it comes to financial advice. May I just say say it so? I have become a bit cynical of bank managers or, or uh, sales representatives, let's call it like that. Um, is my is my uh, my cynicism out of place? You know what? I think that if, if anybody wants to be at a certain financial place in their life, they should really um, surround themselves with people that are that are at there right now and learn how they did it. Right. I think that's really important. And exactly. the one thing that I found fascinating is I helped a lot of business owners, a lot of very successful business owners. And a lot of the the um, the interest was to try to help them put some of their money into the, the stock market. Right. Mm. And yet time and time again, these business owners would say, why would I do that when I can put money back into my business? And I know I'm going to I'm going to earn 20 percent. Uh, you know, on my money, right? Very true. And, you know, and I started to really start to listen to these business owners and understand that uh, that there's a whole other wealth growth opportunity that that um, like there's different ways to grow wealth, not just the ways that that um, that I was being educated to do, right? Absolutely. Uh, and and there's some very smart business people out there mm. that that you know can teach can teach this stuff that that. Um, that's different than what you learn in school. If, if you're, if at all, you're taught in school about it, right. Or even what the banks are teaching, um, because I just, I struggled with being part of an organization that, um, that was all about the customer, but then also really all about the stock price. Right. So absolutely, um, I wanted to be somewhere where it was all about the customer all the time and the employees. And if the stock, you know, and then the stock price would, would it be impacted positively yeah. because that's where we're putting our energy. Right. Um, yeah, so, uh, that's, yeah. Uh, that's intriguing. You have just yeah. you have just opened a can of worms there, and I think yeah. hopefully, guys, any listener, viewer out there, this was gold because guess what? Um, the the products that you consider as sensible, like a saving account or or things like that, 
it just nowadays makes me cringe. Nowadays, I'm going to say nowadays, I have gone through a steep learning curve with regards to investments, with regards to, to shifting my focus away from being the breadwinner to being mm -hmm. a business owner, to being an investor and letting my work, my money work for me. And that is a complete different side of the story. And banks, to my early surprise, had actually not so much to do with it because money can come from all parts. Um, and it's, it's the to actually learn about those things of non-banking lenders of, and with that, I don't mean loan sharks, okay, guys. Um, but actually, there are so many avenues out there where you can create uh, a certain working money uh, fund with which you can then address a project. There are ways so you can learn how to, to assess either uh, in a new investment as a house or, or other things, there's there are ways how to learn that. And once yeah. because you do that, it's an amazing, amazing path. Well, and I think that it's really important before you start doing any strategies that you, that, you, that people learn about the emotional, uh, the emotional and the mindset side of, of money. Absolutely. Right? And that's, you know, and, and to be quite frank, like I, that's another thing I struggled with when I was at the bank is I, I wasn't doing very good financially. Uh, I, I was helping a lot of people that were doing exactly. well, and I was struggling myself because I, uh, I didn't. I was trying to, you know, make ends meet, and yep. uh, and I also had this passion to start a business, and I was learning and, and putting a lot of money in my own education. Yeah. But I I was having more debt than I really was, you know, educating other people to 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 not have right. Interesting. So I was I was in this you know, place of, okay, I, I'm not being completely integral here because I'm struggling. And I, and I took steps to, to clean that up and to, and to move out of that situation. But I, you know, and that's, you know, some of the things that come up with the people I talk to and uh, through my, my practice is around their beliefs around money, uh, you know, and, and their beliefs around their career, because that, that and the emotions tied to that is what can, you know, and I think my financial situation actually it kept me in a depressed state hmm. uh, for longer than than I needed to be because I was just so stuck in it, right? And that's so beautiful that you say that. It's exactly yeah. right. We are often thinking about depression. Oh, he's depressed. As if this is something that comes out of the blue. And in, in some people it does. In some people it, it manifests itself out of the blue. But often enough, there are so many stresses in your life. And as you said, we never get taught about money um maybe nowadays is changing the teensiest weensiest bit in some situations but otherwise my children just went out of school they had zilch education about money for crying out loud i mean the the, the book uh rich dad poor dad i'm the poor dad yet mm -hmm. i'm making a very handsome income um from working my guts out but really, um, well, I'm no longer the poor dad because I'm, I have learned to become the rich dad. Um, that is, uh, that is, I'm proud to say. But for many of my colleagues, for example, they are financial imbeciles. They have zero training. And it's, it's they work hard. They have got lots of assets, my ass. They have got expensive cars. Uh, that are depreciating so rapidly. They have got boats. They have got beautiful houses, and they're all not really counting as assets when you look at it. So, bottom line is, yeah. there are a lot of people who know very, very little about it. And that's the money side. And then suddenly the the, the COVID hits, and people stand there and think, "What the hell?" Because they've just had a two by four hit over the head. So. That is an issue, and I'm so pleased that, that you're so open about it because money makes the world go around or yeah. destroys relationships, destroys your self-confidence, um, fast-tracks your slip and slide into a very dark hole if the money is not there and you don't have the skills and the awareness around it. So wonderful. for the. Uh, thank you for your openness. So. Yeah. 
at the moment uh, we are at a point with you where in your in your history you were hanging in there you were aware you had this this awareness um that hmm I'm not doing so well yet. I'm making all these promises, etc. Um, but then things changed. The wheels came off. How did that happen? What was your your catalyst? Your moment of truth? Yeah, I think I uh, I struggled with with you know bursts bouts of depression uh, throughout my twenties and thirties, and uh, and so I go on and off of medication. You know, and I go see different psychologists and different mm-hmm. therapists. A lot of it was was more CBT based, cognitive behavior therapy based. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of journaling, and you know, and I, I found that I'd always, whenever I felt better, I would just stop going to see the, uh, the psychologist or the you know the therapists I was seeing, and I'd, and I'd go off the medications. And and then you know, it just came to. A, a, uh, you know, a grinding halt when, um, you know, I, I, I remember it, I was 37 years old. I was in the basement of this townhouse that, uh, my first wife and I owned at the time. And, uh, we had, um, decided to separate and we were actually living in this townhouse, uh, uh being separated and it was just tearing me apart. I, I just was trying to figure out what, you know, what, you know, what am I doing wrong here? Like what's, uh, you know, why is this happening to me? I've just completely been stuck in this place for so many years and now everything's falling apart. You know, I had a, my, my oldest son was, was, uh, was two at the time. And I'm like, this is just going to, uh, completely change his world. Mm. And, uh, and I was just so sad and alone in this, this basement and this basement room I was in, I was at my computer and uh, we just moved into this place about three months before. So there's still boxes around uh, there was no windows in this room and, uh, the cat that we had decided that this room was its litter box a lot of the time. So it just, um, it smelled like, like cat urine. And it just was this, you know, terrible place to be, be in, but it was this, you know, this, the quiet room I could be in, in the house. And I'm looking at my computer, trying to find ways to solve this anxiety in this low time period I've was going through. And I just, I just, came to this realization that I got to stop asking myself, why is this happening? Like, yeah. It's not working anymore. Right. <laughs> and I got to shift that. And I started to say, okay, what is this for? There's got to be a re- bigger reason for why this is happening. So what is this for? And I started to focus on that. And, and it was interesting because when I started to focus on that, uh, people started to come into my, to my life that I had never met before to help me better understand that. And that kind of helped me start to shift out of it uh, and look for, for different ways of, of perceiving my depression and not looking at it as a bad, necessarily a bad thing. There's gifts in it. There's a lot of skills that I access when I'm depressed, uh-huh. right? That I can use when I'm not depressed, but uh, there's, there's tons of gifts in it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, beautifully said. Uh-huh. But I mean, was that really something that came out of your heart? Was that or out of your, of the deep recesses of your brain or did you actually uh seek help did you find people who were guiding you uh to ask the right questions you know i, I asked that initial question what is this for and yeah. then um and then i started to see uh, i started to find therapists that were a little bit more that i could relate to right mm. uh, and that were looking at um and helping people that have gone through what I went through. Cause a lot of times I just found a psychologist and I had, had seen, I, I thought only that cognitive behavior was the only way to go. Mm. Uh, and then I started to recognize that there's all these different modalities out there. So I, uh, I saw a hypnotherapist. I saw Good. Um, Good. You know, other, other counselors that were more feeling based, right. Yeah. And, and really getting me to feel and, and the counselors that, that really been, I benefited from, and this is this, I think it's unique to everybody, but for me, they said, okay, Aaron, we need to start to get you off your antidepressant. We need to start to titrate you slowly off of it and talk to your doctor, make sure that's okay, because you're not feeling anything right now. You're completely numb being on this, this uh, medication. Okay. okay. And depression is anger turn inward, is what one of the counselors said to me. And that just a huge light bulb went off mm. when she said that. Mm. It was like, mm. wow. Uh, she said, have you considered the fact that depression is anger turn inward? And I was mm. like, realizing I had, I had no relationship to anger. 
other than the fact that you avoid it, uh, you know, to the nth degree, you do not get angry, you do not show it, uh, you just hold it in, right? Nice, nice. And that was like, okay, this, there's something to this. There's something nice. to this as to what's what I've been struggling with because I have not been accessing anger at all, or sure. if I was, it was very passive aggressive. Yeah. And that's, but that's the typical thing, isn't it? We have no idea about these emotions. They are, they are holding us hostage and they come out of the deepness of our brain. We have no idea where they arrive typically. And most of the time they're not so nice. And then you feel guilty. You feel shame. Why are you not a man who is happy? Why are you so down and out? My God, this look at you why and there is the why question the, the why question that doesn't get you anywhere that's what so i'm i'm so i want to say proud of you but that sounds mm -hmm. condescending i'm so pleased for you i'm so happy for you that your brain told you a different way how to look at things and that is incredibly powerful and incredibly beautiful and there are well, a lot I, of I even a think, lot, yeah there are a lot of lies that the brain tells you yeah. And you know what I actually recognized is I was in my head. I was in my, my mind too much. And it was actually when I started, it was actually more my heart was telling me this. Uh, and when I connected to my heart, uh, I got outside of the logic side of my brain, logical side of my brain. And that's where things opened up more, is where I started to, to connect with that um, part energy, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call that. That's when it um, things started to change. And getting knowing how to release my anger in a safe way opened up my heart more so that I wasn't in my head so much. Yeah. So I, I would say so, my heart kind of guided me to this more than my, my mind in some ways. And, but what was the emotion then um, that was predominant for me, it was anger and resentment. Yeah. My depression really, I was a very angry, angry man because I was angry yeah. about everyone else out there, uh, what they did to me uh, rather than taking ownership and taking a good hard look at those aspects where I might have contributed or where I might be the sole reason that I'm I'm in, in a shit state. What was the predominant emotion for you if it was not anger? You know, it was sadness. You know, because right. I, you know, when I did my counseling diploma through this amazing program um, called PRAC, uh, through an organization called ClearMind International, the it's it's you actually have an opportunity to do like role plays to the uh, highest level like you're actually experiencing right. um your emotions in in new ways and it's just it's amazing right. and so uh, there's a certain process that you can do to help you with anger and and the you know what what i learned is that anger is really just a surface emotion right it's really there to block what's going on underneath so once i once i got that anger out it was like all this sadness right. was there from right. from the loss of my grandfather, uh, you know, uh -huh. and and also the, the loss of my my birth dad because I didn't have a, a relationship with uh -huh. my birth dad uh, for the majority of my um, uh -huh. my life. Like I saw him when I was about twelve, and he um, he came at Christmas time and gave me this amazing present, and I thought he was the the greatest person in the world because he gave me a Pac Man arcade game, and it was like wow. But then I never saw him again until I was uh, in my mid thirties. Uh, when mm -hmm. he was very ill and he ended up passing away very, very shortly after I, I reconnected with him. And so there's all this <sighs> sadness around these men that I hadn't had a connection with. Uh, and also, you know, the, you know, sadness for myself and putting my, having to go through all this struggle mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, and, and, and so I just had tremendous sadness show up. Yeah. Mm. And at the same token, whilst the sadness was there, you were still functioning probably at a pretty high level is my educated guess. Or did that sadness already start impacting on those aspects of your life where the money was coming from? How were you, know you at work? Or were you, yeah. was that an alter persona that was at work where did you have to mask up all the time? There was a bit of a mask at work for sure. And I, I did feel comfortable. You know, that was a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a work in progress for me to start to, because I was doing this, this counseling diploma while I was at the bank part-time. I was taking it in the evenings. And so there was still that mask that would show up at work because um, 
because I just I, I didn't feel comfortable sharing what I was going through uh, because it was so emotional and a lot of people didn't really want to talk about emotions at work yeah. right that's what I found but I what I learned is that you know that, that sadness and even the anger it's not there forever right it, mm. you know when the emotion shows up it's it's there usually for a few minutes and then the next emotion shows up right beautiful so, you know, it's not like I was all of a sudden crying all the time at work mm. and crying all the time um, because I opened it up. It was more, mm. I'd have these sadness moments of sadness mm. and the, the exercise that I would, would do around releasing anger is that sadness would show up and then it would, I'd actually go through a, some steps to remember the truth about myself and mm. really access that. So allow the sadness to be there, mm. but then, um, correct, correct the, the, um, the false belief right. that I'm not good enough, that I'm unlovable, <laughs> you know, whatever that may be. Right. And to, to, to really ground into that, I, I yeah. am good enough. You know, I yeah. matter. Uh, no matter what I'm going through, I matter. And and that's where I would stand in that more yeah. than than the, you know, that I don't matter, that, you know, the, yeah. the false belief around that. That's the, the low self-esteem. That's the, the, the loss of hope, uh, you know, yeah. all those kind of things, those aspects of, of depression that can be so powerful. So that's beautiful that you were able to address that. Um, again, did you actually, once you say that the counseling uh, that you received and becoming a counselor, becoming a coach, um, was that, I mean, you, you go through those things. How shall I say that? Um, we need people in our lives that listen to what we are saying, what we are really saying. And more importantly, we need people in our lives who are listening out for that, that you don't say, what you don't admit to, because we don't know what we don't know. So who helped you break through that? Um, at the moment, I'm, 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 I, I can't see it yet. Uh, was there was there a breakthrough, or was that so many little steps that you took, where each step gave you that little bit of a like like a Christmas calendar? You open one door, and ah, then you open the next door, and you think ah, and very soon then the picture comes together. Was it a bit like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I didn't um, I didn't have like other than that, just that moment where I yeah. started to look at okay, what yeah. is this for? But still, I still had, I still wasn't sure what to, you know, where to go yeah. next with that. I just kind yeah. of started to believe in, in um, that yeah. there's a different, there's a different way of looking at things. And so I, I met, uh, I actually started going to um, the ClearMind had uh, a community and they had um, monthly talks. So that's where I started. I, I nice. started to just find a community that was, that yeah. was, um, you know, connected to my values and, and what I believed in. And then in the, through that community, I found my my counselor Satu. Uh, and so that was the next step that I made. And then, and then, um, mm. through working with her, I, I took a workshop and uh -huh. that was another step. Right. Nice. And that workshop led yeah. me to, yeah. uh, taking this, this, uh, I, this counseling program, which I, I had no intention of becoming a counselor. I just, it was a three-year program. You didn't have to become a counselor to do it, Excellent. but I thought I'm going to do, I'm going to do the first year because the first year is all about working on yourself. Excellent. I thought, That's what I need right now. Right. And so these little steps along the way. Oh, and in beautiful. that course, there's little steps I took as well. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I, I, I recognize that there's these, these little baby steps. It could be really small that we take. Beautiful. And it just is another stepping stone to, to heal, right? Beautiful. You just yeah. described, described the most effective way, in my opinion, how to address any problem in this world is to actually think about it and try to to think what well, is there a problem and then turn that problem into the opposite not a problem but a a a dream if that is what you don't want to be okay who do you want to be yeah. and then be very very clear and very very specific it be crystal clear in your goal setting to a degree that it's it's nuts it don't say oh i want to be rich no, I want to have 1.125 million monthly income so that I can achieve my why, my, 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 whatever it is that is driving you. So mm -hmm. you're very clear about your goal that you have turned negative from your problem. So negative problem, positive goal. So that became dream 
vision. And now you have created a mission because with you having this guidance for a year, you looked at these opportunities, rephrased now, and started, okay, how do I get there? Tiny little steps every day. And that is so powerful. <laughs> Guys, yeah. if you're... If you're shit in maths, uh, let me teach you compound interest is the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing in this world. Because, you know, you put a dollar into the bank and then you get a bit of interest on it. Then you put another dollar in the bank. You think, okay, I've got $2. Well, no, you haven't. You have actually $2 plus that little bit into interest. Now you put another dollar in there over time, and now you've got three dollars plus a little interest. But in, initially, you might have had one dollar and one cent, and now you've got two dollars and three cent because the interest has grown. Then you've got three dollars and ten cents, and so it goes. But those you keep taking these tiny little steps consistently, and suddenly you have got a freaking million in your hands, and you had no idea where is this money coming from. That is compound interest, and that is how you make money. That's one way how to make money. And But that's the same with any action you take towards a better you, towards a man who you can truly look into the mirror, into his eyes and say, well done. Love you, brother. I love you. Um, what's and all. And that is beautiful, but you need to work on that. It just doesn't sort of go, whoosh, there it is in my lap. Ah, oh, there's my new life. Just because I want to. <laughs> my ass, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, so when did that happen? When, so when did you start opening that first little door? When was that? The first, I think it was when I, when I started seeing the, uh, yeah. like, the, the, like even going to that community group. Um, yeah. and, and listening to the presentations, just yeah. starting to open things up yeah. and like, oh, they, they have counselors here. Maybe I'll see a counselor there. That's I like right. what they're doing. So when yeah. was that? When uh, Put a date to it or a month uh, to that it? Was, um, that was uh, oh, around 2011, 2012. There you go. Here yeah. we are talking 10 years yeah. of solid yeah. growth. Yeah. Okay. That's why you are sitting here. You have not just dreamed and think, hmm, I could become a, a, a guest on a show. I will wing it. No, <laughs> no, no. You worked hard in exploring it and you found, oh, look, there's a Band-Aid. Let's take it off. Oh, shit, that hurts. Oh, there's a bit of pus underneath there. Let's deal with that, shall we? Um, so you started healing by addressing things. You got yourself a power team together where you were the dumbest person in the team. And you started listening to people because A, you accepted that there was a problem. B, you hoped and somehow knew that there would be hope and help out there. And you, you accepted that. And then you looked around, found the power team and took a, a brutal inventory. You looked what is actually yeah. going on what worked or doesn't work in, in a financial system, that would be basically you doing a budget, monthly outgoings, incomings, so those kind of things. That is sort of the step four. And then you really started going into a bit more into depth and started putting little habits into place. Logical things to do. Well, I've just described the first part of or the first six steps of a of a twelve step program. Okay, mm -hmm. so if you if you look at it, uh, go away from the religious side, go away from the addiction side. A twelve step program is a systematic way how you can get your get your shit together. And and I've written a book here. My this way, this way. My steps to sobriety um, out there and, and anywhere where you can buy books, but go to Amazon, they can have as an ebook and as a uh, as a, a hard copy. The reason I say that is I talk a bit about finances in there, but I'm, I'm talking a lot about the 12 step program as a way of approaching really any problem that you have got in your life. Of course, it works well for addiction. That's where it is renowned for, but also it helps for depression. It helps for so many other things. If you, if you have no idea where to start, not a bad, 
bad start. But there are many other ways. And I love, I love that uh, what you said, um, Aaron. There are so many, so many approaches that you can take. But it all starts with accepting that maybe the life that you're living right now is not so great and that it's time to change. And that you were lucky there. You had that at a very early stage. And what would you... What would you, which message would you send to your younger self, to that young Aaron who was sitting in the basement and still had that stinking thinking going on? What would you tell that person? You're okay. You're absolutely okay where you are right now. And you matter so much to the world. And, you know, follow your heart as to what, you know, where to go next. Leave the, the logic aside right now. The logic will come after, but just mm. breathe into your heart and the answers will come. And they do, isn't it? Ultimately, those waves that come over you, the sadness, the anger, the anxiety, all those manifestations of depression, they are messengers as far as I'm concerned. They tell me, hey, Stefan, I think you have overdone it a little bit. Have you really showed yourself the respect that you deserve? I mean, you know, you, you show other people respect, your patients, your wife, your children. Did you show yourself the respect? Oh, are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? And now you've, you're surprised that your mood is down. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, Stefan? Is that, <laughs> is that the level of your intelligence? <laughs> and that's this, this emotional intelligence, this emotional awareness yeah. of yourself, where you have to say, okay, fair enough. Okay, I didn't sleep for a week. And now I'm mid ready, anxious, and actually quite down. Huh. Could I have to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> so what are the, the, the steps nowadays that you are sure that you're not getting back into that basement? How is your life now compared with the past? You know, what I recognize for myself is uh, physical fitness is, um, is, is, is crucial for, for my mental health. And, uh, and so I've, uh, even, even during COVID here, I actually fell, you know, fell on the way you know, exercise fell on the wayside and I haven't I, I wasn't taking care of myself mm. for the last couple of years because I I started to right at the beginning of COVID uh, and I was going out with my my boys and your we bike riding mm. and doing lots of fun things and then my shoulder went out and I had a rotator cuff injury and that just set me back because I couldn't do anything I couldn't yeah. play basketball I couldn't throw a ball yeah. like I, um, I wanted to and so that kind of started me down this path of not exercising through the last couple of years. So even yeah. this year, I've reinvested um, energy into my, um, you know, being physically active and mm. getting back to a place where I can go running again, and maybe even play basketball again is what I, I'd love to be able to do. And 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 then also recognizing my just the foundational stuff, eating eating habits, uh, and and you know, eating a lot healthier, not just. You know, ate a lot of junk food and stuff during mm -hmm. COVID just because it was fun and, you know, <laughs> but also the, the stress of, you know, not being able to do a lot of things, you know, so I've, I've really cut back on that and then drinking more water uh, as well. And and then I've been meditating. I, I've, you know, on and off, I've meditated a bit, but I've, um, I've reinvested time and energy into meditating because I find just getting quiet nice. and, um, and connecting to you know, my vision and my you know, affirmations in that has really helped uh, a lot. Uh, but when I, you know, when I, when people, they go, well, and that's so much, like, how do you do it all? I just start with one thing. Exactly. And a lot of, and a lot of times it's just exercise. It's like, okay, yeah. I want to go three days a week. I want to go for a walk for 15 minutes, right? Not something that's, that's actually attainable is how I start. And mm. then after I start doing that and I start progressing and doing more, mm. then I can add something in because that becomes a habit, right? And mm. now that's, because uh, if you know this is probably around the time of year when everybody is not has stopped exercising because they had a, a goal at the beginning of the, the year to, yeah. to to exercise and now it's maybe fallen on the wayside and that's because <laughs> maybe there was too much uh, yeah. of a big goal right yeah. uh, and that wasn't that wasn't realistic yeah you know? the five minute gardener 
principle. Um, yes, I, 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 yeah. I want you to do five minutes in your garden. Never more. I forbid you to do anything more than five minutes, but never do anything less than five minutes in your garden. Five minutes out of a day. Um, and you would think, yeah, what? Guess what? After a month or two, your garden will be blooming and blossoming. And you think, what the hell? If it's a veggie garden, you don't know what to do with your veggies because they're so, so abundant. So the same thing holds true for every single, for every single aspect of your self-care, of, yeah. of you establishing new habits. Make, that, make those five minutes sacred, but put them in mm -hmm. every day, not more not less don't go over the top i'm the, i'm the typical idiot so i do nothing and then i think oh my god i haven't done anything so let me go to the gym do two hours and yeah. then the next thing is i can't walk for about a week and uh, they're, they're, they're counterproductive so that's just stupid that's just me me boom and bust that's my weakness. I I can be incredibly infused about something. Yeah, let's do it. And then uh, it falls by the wayside because life <laughs> suddenly happens and interferes. And that's the yeah. skill. Okay, that's the skill of the 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 five minutes stuff. That, and it's in your case, it's already a little bit more. And you look at it as an investment. The more you invest yeah. in yourself. The, the better you will be, the better the better person you are. And then when shit hits the fan, which inevitably occurs, you're a better man or a better human being to actually deal with the, the new challenges that life throws you. It is nice. I see your smile. I see your yeah. I see you yeah. nodding, yeah. and that is that is that is that is the 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 this 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 cool passion of of for life, the the inside. Once you have figured out how your brain actually ticks, uh, and it the, don't don't judge it. It's just what it is. That's how it works. Um, then you can work with it. Then Otherwise, you can yeah. you can alter it and and you can manipulate it, although that's a negative word. But you can you can play with it and you mm -hmm. can you can figure it out. So this, how did you try to escape the negative feelings, the sadness? Because we didn't touch upon that. Uh, no one likes sadness. No one likes pain. So most of us are trying to do something that that makes them feel better, like the immediate gratification. Some of us gamble, some of us eat everything that comes into their fingers, some of us drink, smoke. What was your your vice or vices? You know, it was a lot of it was um I, I would do a lot of research on business ideas, you know, looking back, like I I loved, you know, looking at different business concept franchises, yeah. um, network marketing, uh, you know, and then also personal growth works books and that. So I I think I actually went uh, you know similar how you said how you go all in on the gym for two hours like i think i kind of went all in on all these personal growth and mm -hmm. and, and learnings about business you know to the, the extreme level right where i was just engrossed in it yeah. um and then i'd also be just obsessing about work right and i'd be right. you know even when i wasn't working i'd be thinking about what what right. i need to do to hit my my sales targets right and so those those thoughts were just i was addicted to thoughts i wasn't addicted mm -hmm. to drugs or alcohol but definitely nice. negative thoughts nice. And, you know. nice. And also yeah. addicted to work because work work, yeah. work allows you to focus on something. Therefore, you yeah. don't have to focus on those things that are not so so nice in your life. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. I'm I'm constantly working. Nowadays I've shifted my my focus towards working on me and working nice. in my life, but that was certainly not the case for decades yeah. earlier. Okay. So yeah. And the, and the sadness would show up too, for me, um, when, a you know, certain, certain commercials that had certain music or, or the end of a movie yeah. with the music playing and it's like a happy ending, yeah. uh, you know, I would, hide, I would, tears would start coming and I would, um, I would hide them. Right. I would really like, try to avoid showing them for the longest time. And, and, and now I, you know, I want my boys to see that, that their dad can cry and it's okay. But uh, previously, uh, you know, I would just like, Oh my goodness, I can't, why am I crying at this this commercial with this these grandparents and this child and, and uh, you know this this is all weird but it actually makes sense like it's yeah. it's, it's emotions coming up around it yeah 
And you and I had not learned to deal with these emotions. They were bottled up and and kept down uh, under all circumstances. And then suddenly those few moments when you actually allow yourself like a commercial or like like certain music, Les Miserables. Yeah. If I put uh, the soundtrack of Les Miserables yeah. on within minutes, I'm I'm crying my eyes out. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it's a good thing because it's yeah. finally a floodgate that I can control and open when I need it to, and it's just yeah. amazing when it happens. Oh God, it is it's so beautiful to actually experience the release of your emotions but bottom line is do they have to be bottled up for such a long time that they need a release valve or could we not do every day a little bit something to actually work on them deal with the underlying reasons for those emotions those sad emotions maybe try to prevent them with a lifestyle where you're actually excited to get out of bed um or if if you wake up not so excited then you have found skills and ways how to excite yourself how to refocus your energy onto something that is worthwhile living would that not be cool it'd be amazing yeah Uh, exactly and and aaron has done that i have done that so if two numb 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 net numb heads numb nuts what i was about to say but that's that's sort of a (laughs) take you can take it both ways uh if two guys like us can get our shit together i think there's still hope for you out there whoever is listening guys (laughs) okay so we have done it what stops you yeah sorry i I don't hear you no no i can't think of anything either so no you can do it Aaron, you're a great man. Uh, so if there's anyone out there who likes to to what you said and 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 share some of the insights with you um, uh, and wants to get in touch, how can they do that? Yeah, so the the um, the book behind me here, Engage, Connect, Grow, is on Amazon. So definitely that's a, a workbook that I created. Uh, and a key aspect of it I use is journaling to help people heal uh, through mental health, like heal their mental health or depression or anxiety. So there's 52 lessons. So it's essentially set up where they can do one lesson a, a week, right? Mm. Just start small. And they're really short lessons. Uh, and even teams can use it. I've set it up so that even a, uh, if a team at a company or, or, um, what, or a small group wants to mm. do it together, you're able to do that as well. And then you can also, I'm, you know, a variety of different resources on uh, on our Facebook page and Engage mm. Coaching Group mm. uh, as well. That if we can can go on there and uh, and access different uh, free resources mm. and tools and and that there. Oh, beautiful! And guys, look yeah. down there into the description of the video and of the YouTube of the podcast, and you will find all the details there. So check it out. What have you got to lose? Uh, you and more importantly. Let's not focus on the losing. Let's focus on the gaining. What beautiful life could you possibly create and foster? And how could you change those core beliefs that maybe so far had held you back? Uh, There is a way forward. Every single one of my guests on this show has shown you that. I, my story is showing you that. So guys, there is hope. And I need you to understand that. However dark right now your situation is, there is hope. You just can't see it yet. There's hope. And these emotions, they will pass. These are just waves of neurochemicals. Sometimes they hang around for a few days, sometimes a few weeks, but they will pass. And there are ways to fast track you out of the shit. And that is where people like Aaron come in and where where our books come in, our interviews come in. So guys, go out there, live your life, live with passion. And if you if you don't know yet how to do it, well, take take someone like Aaron, get in touch with him, do a, do a, a discovery call and and see you know maybe there's something where where you and you can can address one tiny aspect of your life, work on that, and deal with it, and then you think, well, did I do that? <clears throat> oh, that feels good, and isn't it amazing that that oh okay that feels good. And once you're there, then there's no more holding you back. And you've tasted blood. And it's just, 
Yes. Okay. I want more of that. Uh, so Aaron, I'm so, so glad that I had you on my show. Uh, you're an amazing man. Uh, your, your story is beautiful because it actually did not have the really, really hardcore down and out broken in the gutter kind of feel to it, but far more the, the, the kind of suffering that is so common out there and that people just take for granted because they don't know better. So there was a, a long-standing suffering. There was the depression that actually was blatantly clear, yet for many people, they live you alive and just keep going. And it takes them forever to get out. You had... You have given us the power to see that you have your, by you sharing your story, you open their eyes. And that's beautiful for that. I'm incredibly grateful. So Aaron Solly, a great man. Thank you so much for being on my show and you guys out there look after yourself. Okay. Bye.